Thank you for joining us for Light on the Path, an ongoing conversation designed to encourage you from the Word of God as you walk with Him. Please take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd also love to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship at Eastside Baptist Church in Thomasville, Georgia. Be sure to see the show notes for more information and connect with us online at eastsidethomasville.org. Thanks again and enjoy the episode. Good Monday morning. It's good to be back together again. My name is Bill Warren and I'm the outreach pastor here at Eastside Baptist Church in Thomasville, Georgia. And I'm joined this morning, as always, by our lead pastor here at Eastside, Pastor Sean Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Looking forward to being with you this morning. We want to challenge you and encourage you in the Word of God. I'm excited about our topic today. This is one of my favorite subjects um, as we dive into what Scripture has to say about the family, the biblical family, and biblical parenting in particular. Um, I have uh, enjoyed that we are... We are making our way back and getting back into life after spending a few days up in the Carolinas at the um, SELA counseling ministry, had a pastor's retreat, and both pastor and his wife and my wife and I were able to travel up there this week. We're enjoying the uh, beautiful November weather. This is my favorite time of year, November into December, the holiday season. It is. So loving Loving that. In the but, South. In the y- South. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I, I, I can't speak to the, 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 the white stuff up north. I don't like that part of it. But uh, keep us, um, keep us in the, the cooler climates, the, the more reserved climate, and I'm happy with that. So, but looking forward again to getting into God's Word today uh, as we dive into the topic of uh, common mistakes that we make in biblical parenting. Uh, it's interesting, maybe never in human history, has it been easier to accomplish the primary purpose of the family unit, which is to raise a child from birth to adulthood? Uh, if you look back through history, um, the success rate of that uh, in any generation was so much lower than it is today through the, our advances in health and in nutrition and in just, just overall quality of living. Our children are, are making it to adulthood, but yet, and, and there's more resources available today to parents to, to help us, to aid us in the process of bringing our children to adulthood. And yet maybe never in human history have we done a poor job of, especially as Christ followers, of, of accomplishing our goal of actually raising functioning adults. And as we look at statistics, we see staggering statistics about children in, in Christian, and we'll say that with air quotes, um, Christian families who at the age of adulthood walk away from the faith in which they've been raised. So obviously, uh, we're, we're not doing some things right. And, and so today we would just have a conversation around a couple of points uh, of, of parenting mistakes that we may be walking through as we go through the process of raising our children. You know, as we're talking about parenting mistakes, I think it's important that we recognize what determines whether it's a mistake or not. Because uh, we all have opinions on that, right? You mm. did it this way, or I did it this way, and mine was better than yours. Or, But really, as you're getting ready to, to lead us into Deuteronomy, really being uh, making mistakes as a parent, there's a whole lot of freedom, honestly, in the Word of God as to how we parent. 
Um, and it speaks to every culture, and every culture is going to do a little bit differently. It's not really a method as much as it is if you're parenting according to the Word of God, then the mistakes really come when we're not doing that, hmm. when we are disobeying God's Word, um, and we're, as parents, we're to be leading in that in our families. And, you know, our families know whether we are or not. They may not know how exactly to label it, but they know if what they hear at church is actually being lived at home. And I think you're going to kind of lead us in hmm. that this, this morning. It's, it's interesting. Um, it shouldn't come as a surprise that, that the Creator God who created the institution of family for a specific purpose would lay out within His, within his text his, his operator's manual, the Word of God, how he wanted, what the purpose of that family should be, what he would want to be accomplished through the context of family. And, and uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we have um, what is referred to in the Jewish culture as the Shema. It's this, uh, it's this passage, this instructive passage as to what we are to be engaged in as parents. And it starts with a command, actually, in verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It makes that, that uh, suppositional statement, the foundational statement, is that God is God. And because of that statement, we are to love the Lord our God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then verse 6, it says, These words which I command you this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And so the, the, the instruction manual for Christian parenting is this. Recognize in truth who God is. Let that recognition of who God is change the way we live. It says to love the Lord your God with all your hearts, with all your soul, with all your might. And then take what we know of God and transfer that to our children. And so we, we go about an intentional process, a day-by-day, moment-by-moment process, not a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night process, but a moment-by-moment process Amen. of living out and showing out that faith in a way that attracts our children into a relationship, that same relationship with our Lord. And I, I'm afraid uh, in our cultural Christianity and within the context of, of, of Southern Christianity, which is where we function and what we live in, I'm afraid that many people use Christianity as behavioral correction and not character correction, not the idea of re- loving God wholly and letting that love of God change who we are. Instead, what we do is we take the, the, the bully pulpit of the Word of God, lay out the checklists of, of righteous living, and we use that, we impose that on our children to change the way they act so they don't embarrass us. And then we're surprised when we get to the end of 18 years and they view the Word of God as a, a, a fence to climb over or a barrier to run through and not a relationship to, to grab a hold of and live out. So do you think that... I mean, that's a great point. Do you, do you think then that maybe there's some out there that would say, wow, I mean, I really do want my children to grow up right, and I want them to behave and be productive citizens. And for whatever reason, they don't think that they're able to do that on their own. And so, well, let's, let's send them to church, mm. or maybe we'll send them on the bus, or maybe we'll even take them to church, but it's not necessarily real to us. Um, do you think that's a common issue? I think it's a very common issue. I think so. Uh, within our within, so again, we live in a we live in a moral 
society, and it's becoming mm-hmm. less and less moral as we go. But there are more, there are still moral norms that I think most of our culture want our children to operate within. Yeah, uh, a more a moral boundaries of right and wrong that we generally culturally agree to, and many people view church as a great resource to help. Um, facilitate those norms within the lives of our children but our children are born the reality is our children inherit from us the same sin nature that we struggle with and the same we we function within the same broken culture and broken uh, creation that they function in the same broken creation that we function in and so the same temptations we face uh, when we are not living in alliance with the word of God and the spirit of God the same temptations that we fall to they're going to fall to and so the Bible is not a, the, the commands of the Bible are not a, um, golden ticket is what keeps coming to mind, but that's not, the, that's not what I'm looking for. A magic ticket or, or, a, or a, a script to accomplish perfect children. The, 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 the commands in scripture, the, the teachings in scripture are a, a guidepost that point us to relationship with Christ. And that's where the change the character change takes place. The behavior modification comes out of a changed life that's being conformed in the image of God rather than the, the image of a broken and fallen world. Yeah, amen. So do you think, I, I have lots of questions for you today. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I brought my coffee. Do you think there's a danger of then a child because they're so, so formative during those young years, really for quite a while up into their teenagers, Teen, teen, eight, teen, <laughs> teen years. years. There you go. Teen years. Thank you. <laughs> or teenagers. Yes. <laughs> um, up into their teen years, they're so formative. I mean, even you find yourself going to college and you're making these life-changing mm-hmm. decisions, right? It's just the the age that we're living in during that time, and and we're accepting so many things. Um, I I feel like so many things more more on the lines of I have observed this or I see this to be mm-hmm. true in life as I am interpreting everything I see. Okay. So here's, I know it's a long question, but so here's, (laughs) here's my, a little bit of background experience with me. So I grew up in a very conservative fundamental Baptist church and and I'm not against that. Um, but here's what I found. I had good parents that I believe actually were godly parents and love the Lord, but I was at church all the time. And this is not a negative thing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting, I'm going somewhere with this. I was at church all the time. I was there early. I was there late. I was there during the services. My parents were very busy and involved. And as a result, I mean, most of what they're busy in, well, almost all of what they were busy and involved in had nothing to do with me, had everything to do with what they were doing at the church. And so I kind of, I came with them. Mm-hmm. I met my friends there. I was there after the services with my friends. You know, my life was church and many, could I say almost all of my friends, I honestly can't remember any that weren't like this. Almost all of the friends I was hanging out with lived one way at church and another way during the week. And so here, here's the dangerous thing that I think about that is because I wasn't really presented with a whole lot that was different than that other than my parents, um, I became a young person who interpreted that as Christianity. It wasn't that I, I was tempted to be that way. I didn't know there was another no way. way. Mm. I really didn't. Do you, can you see that as a danger? Or? Well, absolutely. And I think that's why the, the prescription that we see in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is such an interesting prescription. Mm-hmm. God doesn't say, take your children to church. I think that's an end result of living a life governed by the, 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 the dictate that 
we, we recognize God for who he is and we love him with all our heart. Amen. But if we're, if we're not careful, and, and this is not, this is not, this is not a pejorative on the way you're, you're raised or, and I was yeah. raised in that same mindset. If we're not careful, we, we expect the institution of church, the building of church to be the, to be the um, example of Christian living. And that's not what it's called to be. It's the, 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 the biblical function of church, interestingly enough, is to, is to take Christ followers and to uh, be a place, a, resource, a place of resource where the word of God is preached, where there's accountability for Amen. how we respond to the word of God. And then as we grow, we're equipped and encouraged to accomplish the work of God. But God designed the institution of family to be the place where they see Christian living lived out day by day and moment by moment. And so Amen. as parents, we have to take ownership of that of that truth. Um, if we're expecting the pastor or the youth pastor or the youth group to be that example of Christian living, our kids reckon, our kids are probably the best uh, hypocrisy meter there is. They see truth and they, they sure. respond to truth. And so in other people, in other yes, that's true. <laughs> and we're, we're all good at that, yeah, right? right? We're really good at seeing the hypocrisy in other people and overlooking it in the mirror in front of us. Um, but that, but I think because of that, if they don't see moment by moment, like we saw in Deuteronomy chapter six, parents living out the reality that God is real and that knowledge of a real God changes the way I respond to him and then changes the way I respond to his creation, then, then they're going to see, they're going to call him. They're going to, they're going to pull the hypocrisy card. They're going to pull and rightfully so your, your actions don't line up with your words. And, 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 and Jesus warns about this in Matthew chapter seven, the sermon on the Mount. He's, this Amen. is our tendency even as adults, right? We, we, we see in other people uh, sin and it's this huge sin. And so we try to address it in other people when we have, we have a much larger sin that we're dealing with in our lives. And our, our, our kids will see that and it will speak to them regardless of what our words say, regardless of the culture of church around us. It'll speak to them that Christianity, that the Bible is a location-driven reality it's only when we're at church and the rest of the the rest of life it doesn't apply and when they become adults they're going to live that out and what typically happens is because they see church as the source of the rules church they walk away from church and then yeah and 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 so in truth because that was the place where christianity lived they no longer they no longer are christians that doesn't affect their life beyond the, the, the walls of church hmm. and so i think i think god's prescription here is is uh, is the ultimate test for us as parents. Avoid the, the tendency to say, do as I say and not as I do by living out the, the truth that God is God and that, that truth changes who, who we are and how we respond to, to those around us. Second point we want to deal with, and uh, unless there's anything else you wanted to say toward that, toward that one, Pastor, there's a lot, so there's a lot to go to in this, in this topic. So we could probably spend all... Well, yeah, so let's, let's jump back to Matthew chapter 7. Okay, yep. Sorry, I'm going to pull yep. the pastoral card right. here. Let's go back to Matthew <laughs> chapter 7. I think this is, at least when I studied this, this is not a passage that I just automatically apply to parenting. Right. Um, I almost, I, maybe it's because my role, I almost apply it to leadership. And, uh, hmm. But parenting is such a privileged position of leadership, honestly. Mm, it's yeah. the most privileged, I think. And... Uh, I don't know. Just just bring us through that passage, and uh, I definitely have some questions. Okay, good. So let's go. Ahead. Well, let's just read this passage quickly. This is this is Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is a, is this breakout sermon, kind of the he's laying out 
uh, the, I guess, the, the foundational truths of what it means to be a Christ follower. And he says in Matthew 7, 1 to 5, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why behold thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. And I guess we can pause there. And I love the truth that he's laying out in this, in this, in this challenge. Isn't it always interesting how we can so quickly identify sin in, in those around us while we overlook glaring sin, that, at least yeah. from, the, from their, their perspective back at us? Um, that's going on in our life. It's an amazing life principle. It re- seems, seems to always be with us. It is. Uh, and, then he, and, and then it goes a step further, right? So we, see, we identify the sin in our, in our brother's eye, and then we say, hey, I'm, I'm qualified to fix that sin. He says, <laughs> how will you say to your brother, let me pull the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. And then he calls them this word we've seen a lot lately in Scripture, uh, thou hypocrite, that first cast out the beam out of thine eye, and then you will see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Um, I think very true. This, this, this uh, challenge or this confrontation of hypocrisy is something we deal with not just in the role of parents but in the role of, of, of human beings. Because of our pride, we tend, to, we tend to look for ways to tear down others and build up self. And so we, we tend to react to the sin of others rather than confronting sin in our own lives. And the damage with this is because in our role, and, and again, tying it back to the point of parenting, and Pastor, you may want to take this somewhere else. I'm stalling, so you can't ask the hard questions. So uh, <laughs> uh, um, and the damage with this when it comes to parenting is our kids are using the same filter. So they see sin in our lives, mm-hmm. and we, we are called to correct. We're called to discipline. And so as we're coming at our sin and dealing with our, our, our children and dealing with sin in their lives, but we're blind to our own sin, it creates this this hypocrisy that repels people from what they see as faith. So do you think that maybe in Ephesians 6, where God tells us, fathers, provoke not your children to Mm. wrath, this could be maybe one of the ways that we might do that? Absolutely. I think it's interesting you say that, and that's something we'll probably get to on the next next one. I I love the fact that over 80 times in Scripture, I think it was 87 times I found just in a study today, um, that... God addresses fathers when he's dealing with parenting. And that's, that's so counter, counterculture to today where we have absent fathers, maybe not physically, but in the role of parenting. But yes, absolutely so. I think provoking children to wrath, that hypocrisy where I say, where I say hey, look, what you're doing is wrong, but what I'm doing is okay. It, that, that, that wrath, and, and a lot of times, unfortunately, that wrath gets directed back to the God that we say we, we represent and they just decide he's not real and they'll walk away from it. It's a... Yeah, I, you know, I've seen, I think I've seen both sides of that as a pastor. So I've seen that side where you're really turning kids away from the faith because you're not living out what you're promoting at church and even expecting them. Maybe we go to a more conservative church with maybe higher standards Hmm. and we're expecting them to do that, but we don't do it at home or we don't even, it's not that we're not doing at home. We don't even believe that. And so they just put that cloak on when they go to church, and then they come home and be part of the family. Um, when they're not there, that becomes frustrating to a child because, well, why, why are you making, why are we going here and you're making me do these things? You don't do them yourself. You don't even believe them. And I think you're exactly right. Then they're, they're gone when it turns 18. When they have their own will and their own way in life, why on, in the world would they choose that? If, if they don't see that, modeled as something that's even favorable honestly and 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 two 
if, if life change is not linked to a, a bigger purpose. So life change is hard, right? None of us want to go through the process of conforming to a different image. So that's why, that's why I have the body shape I have. I, I'm, not, I'm not super muscular because I don't want to do the physical work of working out. It's hard work. Well, transformation spiritually is hard work. Yeah. And so when we're just applying the hard work or the, the, the negative aspect of transformation, you will dress like this. You will... And, and, and what, we're, what we're imposing on our children is hard because culturally it's not accepted. So they're different. Mm-hmm. It, it makes them stand out. All those things we all love, right? Looking different, look, being different. Our kids see that as Christianity. It's just being imposed on top. And it's separated from the reality that the Shema starts with, that God is God and he deserves love and he deserves wholehearted um, devotion to who he Amen. is. Amen. When, when, when the rest of the, the passage is driven out of that truth, it ties it back to God. But when there's no reason to it outside of the church says this is what it should be, then no wonder our kids develop a, 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 a diversion from, or a, 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 a desire to move away from church because they view it as that negative source. So do you think it would be healthy then for a parent? I mean, I've seen both sides. So I've seen mm-hmm. that side and then mm-hmm. I've seen the opposite side where the parents don't agree with what's going on at church. And so you, you see this dichotomy to where the family, they kind of just remain on the outskirts. It's like they're there, but, you know, I notice this as leadership. So it's like they're there, but when they come, it's like, it's not that they're angry with you, but you're not really their friend. You're not, you know, you can tell something is being said or something is not being agreed with. And I, I haven't found that as much recently, but um, I think because of the life changes we've been going through in our church and really trying to be as biblical um as we can as a corporate body and then also allowing free uh, families to have liberty that, you know, we're not going to impose something on you. That's not clearly mm-hmm. laid out in scripture. And if you want to do that at home, that's fine. Do it at home and be consistent. Don't be a hypocrite about it. And, and at the same time, tell your children why you're doing it. That, mm, you know, I love that because that, so as, as a church does that, it pushes it back to the, to the biblical um, institution that's responsible for that, right? That's what Amen. that's what God designed the family to be, a place where Scripture is walked through, and we saw it in Deuteronomy 6, it's walked through on a daily basis, moment-by-moment moment basis. So as Scripture changes the what we do, yeah. it, we have that conversation around Scripture. And it, so it takes us back to the Word of God, honest conversations around the Word of God, and that drives us back to the reality of God. And so it's this beautiful it's all the institutions created by God accomplishing what they're driven to do. And that is pointing us back to worship to God, which will true genuine worship will draw our kids into, into, into worship. And, And then we, then we have the perpetuation of generational faith where, where my faith now has purpose and meaning for my kids and they choose to follow it. Yeah. Amen. No more questions. Uh, <laughs> well, this is one of those topics that there can be questions all day long. And I love these conversations. Um, this, this may be someday we need to do a long format version of this, just talk yeah. around biblical fa- family and parenting because there's so much in it and not that we've got it figured out, but it's such a valuable, it's such a valuable uh, conversation to have as Christ followers that uh, I hope you're engaged in this on a daily basis as parents what does it mean to be a Christian parent? What does it mean to be a biblical parent? And we're living that out. And we're not falling prey to these, these parenting mistakes, such as do as I say, not as I do. Well, we've enjoyed our time with you this morning. We've gone a little long. We appreciate your patience. But we look forward to, uh, to chatting again next week as we continue this conversation around biblical parenting. 
Uh, and hopefully we'll see you here in the days ahead, Wednesday night, our fellowship groups, next Sunday morning here at Eastside Baptist as we have our life groups and our, our Sunday morning and Sunday evening service. We look forward to seeing you here. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us here at the church, eastsidethomasville.org. God bless you. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you soon.